Thanks so much for tuning in to NL Newsday. It is Tuesday, September the 14th, and last night was a meeting for School District 73's board. It was uh, really the first school meeting since the school year actually got underway. Now to break it down, please to welcome to the show the chair of the board for SD73, Rhonda Kershaw. Rhonda, how are you here today? I'm excellent, Jeff. How are you? I'm good. Thanks, as always, for, for the time here. So I got to start with the information coming in regards to the COVID-19 plan. Um, uh, in The superintendent, Rhonda Nixon, gave a little bit of an update on how the reporting is going to be done. And it's a little bit different, I guess, than what was going on last year. Uh, Interior Health deciding that it will not send communi- no- community notifications uh, out and IH will be notifying any close contacts themselves. So how is this a significant difference from your perspective, from the school district's perspective of how they're going to actually be reporting COVID cases? So it is definitely a, a difference from last year, but it's more in line with what we would typically see in uh, in a health scenario, in, the, in a public health scenario. So what we'll see this year is that it will be very specific to those people that need to act. And we won't have those school-wide notifications that go out. And we also won't be reporting number of cases to our general population or to our um, board meetings. So basically, you know, for us in the media, for example, we're not going to be able to see exactly what happened. But if there is, you know, anything that's significant or anything that a parent needs to be made aware of, Interior Health will contact them directly. Is that kind of correct? That's correct, yes. So unless there was an outbreak declared, so where they found that there was a significant in-school transmission or that they needed to declare publicly to be able to manage the health of, of a number of people, they would then declare it publicly. But otherwise, it will only be for those that actually need to act. Okay. And that need to do something different outside of our regular safety plans. I guess would that probably make a difference for for parents out there who maybe at times last year might have panicked because there was, you know, an an exposure event in a school. And, you know, sometimes people didn't understand the difference between an exposure notification versus an actual outbreak. And it probably caused some unnecessary panic at times. Yeah, and that is definitely part of the reason behind uh, this decision from public health that we understand was that it really did um, it, it did cause some anxiety in schools. It, you know, we, we noticed last year when we had a notification, attendance would drop almost immediately, even mm-hmm. though there might have only been a few children in a school that were actually affected. Uh, the other um, benefit to not having those wider community notices is that those that truly need to um, be contacted by public health will be, and we won't have, um, because really this is this is all led by public health. It's not led by our schools or by our principals, but they were becoming first point of contact in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And that that's really not what we desire. We right. want this to be led by the professionals, by those that can make those expert decisions. Makes sense. Um, Shifting gears here slightly, but sticking with the COVID theme here, I see that there's some vaccine clinics that are set to be going on at high schools here in the Kamloops area over the next couple of weeks. Um, I guess for for these, I'll put the schedule out there after we're done our conversation here, but uh, is this open to obviously anybody who's age 12 and up, I would assume, but for students who want to get a vaccine, are you going to be requiring like uh, permission from a parent or guardian, or how does that work in terms of getting that vaccine if a student wants it? 
can they just go get it themselves or do they need that consent? Um, that is actually a, an interior health led question. Uh, we're giving the space to our to interior health in our schools for them to be able to to run these clinics, but really the guidance for that and all falls under the Health Act and falls under interior health. All right, I will follow up with them on that question then. Okay, well, I guess there's probably not a whole lot else to get into on that. Uh, I did want to talk very, very briefly here about the financial statements as presented by BDO. Um, I'll be honest, I didn't have a ton of time here today to dig too deeply into it, but overall, it looked like the school district is in a fairly healthy place financially. Um, But of course, I know there's a lot of capital work that is hopefully to be on the horizon pretty soon, but I guess just in, in general sense. Um, how are you as the board chair feeling sort of about the current financial situation uh, for the district? Well, you know, we had a clean audit, which is always our goal. We, we didn't have any concerns noted through the audit for our previous year. Uh, we do have a surplus. Um, you know, we had a, just around a $4 million surplus, but the other consideration to that is that um, we have significant capital needs and really the way that our funding works for any Local capital or for, for example, to, to purchase portables for increased enrollment is that we have to create a surplus because we don't get funded for that. So uh, we're in a good position this year, but looking out into further years when we get into our budgeting cycle, we're definitely going to have to be considering that we do have significant capital needs coming. Well, we'll get more into that when budget time does roll around. Last thing I wanted to get to here with you, Rhonda, was the education topic with um, touching on truth and reconciliation. Um, You know, this was a pretty extensive presentation that you received. It was about a half an hour in length, and, you know, there's a lot to go over there. Uh, So just instead of trying to break it down piece by piece, just, you know, overall... From your perspective, as you went through this half an hour presentation, I mean, how are you feeling about what the district is doing to try to improve that Indigenous education aspect and also, you know, helping with the whole truth and reconciliation? There was a lot of talk about the the four-face activities that take place, you know, the orange shirt day, things like that, where you can, you know, put it out in the world like, hey, I'm thinking about what's going on, but more of the action side, I guess, was a lot of the focus of, of what can we actually do from an education perspective to try and really help when it comes to reconciliation? Yeah, we, we talked a lot about that last night and, and heard some of the actions that we're taking. You know, we, we have those visible uh, celebrations that when shirt day, uh, we have our district powwow. So we've got those, but we really want to make sure that throughout the year we're taking intentional action to really lift up our Indigenous students and all of our students. So we have a professional development that comes in that allows for uh, in training in, in informed and culturally sensitive practices for, for teachers and for support workers. We have uh, extensive training for administrators uh, that we encourage them to take that allows for conscious decision making so that Indigenous families and Indigenous students feel safe coming into our buildings and being a part of the uh, a, a part of the school culture. And the other piece that we talked about is how are we going to know when we're succeeding and, and what data do we make to start looking at to know that we're making an impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was also a lot of talk about that Aboriginal parent group that was started, a bit of a you know a unique thing that is sort of new, maybe not unique, but it's definitely a, a newer initiative. How important is a group like that to be able to gauge you know some of the successes that you're seeing? 
It's incredibly important because then we're hearing directly from the families. What do we need to do? Are our actions making a difference or do we need to consider other other things and, and other truths? And, and that's the other thing that we, we talked about is, is recognizing the truth for these students and and being able to to work through that and, and see success. Yeah. Well, it was definitely an interesting presentation. I would encourage people to log on to the SD73 Facebook page and watch it because we don't have time to get into the whole thing here, but uh, it was definitely a, an interesting piece. So uh, I think that's all for now, Rhonda. Always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for the sort of wide-level overview of what happened last night, and uh, we'll catch up hopefully in the, in the next couple of weeks here. Thanks so much, Jeff. All right, there you go. Chair of the Kamloops-Thompson School Board, Rhonda Kershaw. Now, I just wanted to quickly run through the schedule of the vaccine clinics that will be set up at local high schools here. So this Friday, 17th of September, there will be a clinic running at Norcamp Secondary from 1130 until 5. On Tuesday, the 21st, there will be a clinic at Sahali Secondary from 1130 until 5. Wednesday, the 22nd, a clinic at South Kamloops Secondary and the Kamloops School for the Arts. Those will also run again from 1130 until 5. On Thursday, the 23rd, 1130 until 5 at Valley View. On Friday, the 24th at Westside Secondary. Those times, 1130 to 5, remain in place. On Tuesday, the 28th and Wednesday, the 29th, there will be a vaccine clinic set up at Brock Middle School. Those will each run uh, between 2.30 and 4.30 in the afternoon on both days. Also on the 28th and 29th, there will be clinics at the Twin Rivers Education Center between 11.30 and 1.30. And for those wondering if parent permission will be required in order to get that jab, well, I did get in touch quickly with Interior Health, and they told me that anyone born in 2009 or earlier, those 12 years of age and older, they're eligible to receive the COVID-19 vaccine. Of course, we all know that. And and under the Infants Act, youth 12 to 17 can give consent as a mature minor to receive health care like getting a vaccine. So you don't need to give um, consent to the school from a parent or guardian. Sounds like those in high school can just decide for themselves.